0: This is the Jeff Merrick Show
1: on the SportsNet radio network. They may never lose another game again. And by the way, the rebuild is over. I love getting ahead of myself when it comes to teams on winning streaks, but don't look now. as Thanksgiving approaches, and that is normally around the NHL, the cut line, are you in or are you out? You going for it, you taking a step back looking for the copy looking for the draft that's normally around the time of year where teams make up their minds the philadelphia flyers find themselves as we broadcast to you early on this friday afternoon or this monday afternoon rather uh that is the story with the philadelphia flyers they are very much in thank you very much todd for knows that xnhl now uh, analyst for the philadelphia flyers on radio todd how are you today
2: fantastic how you doing jeff
1: uh, I'm doing great. So uh, I know I get carried away with a, a few things, but uh, I've always had a soft spot. I know you have as well being an ex-Flyer. I always had a soft spot in my heart for the Philadelphia Flyers. I find that the NHL is healthiest when teams like the Flyers or the Rangers or the Boston Bruins, the Chicago, LA Kings, et cetera, are good. And listen, this has found money for the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, I don't think anybody expected this. I'm sure John Tortorella wanted this, and Daniel Briere and Keith Jones wanted this. But how have they gotten to the spot here where we're looking at the standings and saying, yeah, sure, the Rangers are on top of the Metropolitan, but holy smokes, there's Philadelphia too.
2: Yeah, I think, well, we're a bit surprised too. I think as an organization, there's been a lot a lot has happened, right, through the summer with, with some changeover. Torts kind of always talks about the rebuild Continuing from last year, um, and it has been much of that. But I think with with Jonesy, Briere, and Tortorella, and then obviously with um, Dan Hilford he also coming in as the governor. I think that that kind of promoted a little bit of transparency from top down, and that just trickled into the locker room and then the operations. And you just got the uh, you got the ability to say that we were starting. Uh, a rebuild. We didn't really say it last year and we started saying it this summer. And and then I think the players took that as uh a challenge, I guess. Um and then a couple of things have just gone well. Like uh a couple surprises in camp, Bobby Brinks, some young guys coming in and playing. Yeah. Sean Walker, the back end, uh Travis Sandheim. And I I you can't ignore that when you're trying to assess our team over the summer. With uh, Couturier and Atkinson both out with over a year, those guys coming back and producing in the top five for our team has been another blessing. So from the get-go, it's been build. It's been pure hockey fundamentals. We're going to start with work. uh, And I think the things that have happened for our organization and for the team, the main thing that's happened is that locker room. And that's something that's often... um, I don't think it's stressed enough. That team came together quickly, Um, quicker than Mm -hmm. I think anybody was um, imagining or or hoping for. But I think that's the the catalyst to the success that they're having. They stick up for each other. They play together and they accept challenges across the board happily with a smile on their face. So all things are going well.
1: And, and they're fun to watch. And I'm glad you mentioned the back end, too. And a couple of players jumped for me, and, and you mentioned them both. Um, Sean Walker's been, I don't want to say a revelation. He's always been a really good defense, but, he, but he's really popped in Philadelphia here. And he's on an expiring deal. We'll see where Philadelphia goes there. But I, I'm really impressed, not just at the play, but at the mental strength of Travis Sanheim. We all know what happened in the offseason. If Tory Kruger agrees to waive his no trade, Travis Sanheim is in St. Louis, and Tory Kruger's on the on the Philadelphia Flyers. And, you know, I'm sure there were many difficult conversations that were had, but Travis Sanheim has come back, and for all of those that wrote him off last season, he's come back, and he's been that Travis Sanheim that we talked about so many years ago uh, as being, you know, the, the next steadying force on the Philadelphia Flyers blue line like you played you know what that's like you know when a team says you know you're in a trade discussion and one guy won't wave and that means we wanted to move you we couldn't move it. you know it's hard knowing that in some regards the team has already moved on from you but then you're still part of the mix like you're a player you can talk to this much better than i can like the mental toughness of travis sanheim that to me has been the most important and the most noteworthy thing in his game yeah that's
2: there's a level of maturity there i can uh I can I can speak for him probably feeling and, and imagining he's on that single island by himself in those summer months when those talks were happening. That's a, a lonely place to be, yeah. but man, it just speaks to the caliber of player he truly is. We got it right. You know, the guys that drafted him. The players and all, everybody that's, you know, the hearsayers and and talkers around the game, they got it right with Travis Sandheim, and he's proven that. He put on 20 pounds this summer. He came in here with a mission. Once he understood, Mm -hmm. Danny had talks with him too. Danny's open about everything, I think. And with a young guy for Travis Sandheim to respond the way that he did, maybe he needed that. Who knows? But the things that go into what makes players great, um, this is one of those things because he's our he's our top guy not only our top d-man but he's, yeah. he's quarterbacking the power plays he's he's he's, he's taking most minutes and he's doing it with a smile on his face and he's aggressive he's he's playing the way that everybody's kind of propped him up to be and and kudos to him a lot of credit has to go to him because there are so many athletes that can go the other way with this and say you know you didn't want me here uh, but he didn't do that mm. he bucked down and that goes like again that goes back to that locker room he understands the teammates that are in there and there's a lot of changes that were made in that locker room that really uh, benefited to the success of travis sanheim but a lot of credit goes to him and the caliber play he's only going to get better so so first time he's played this level of minutes uh, and he's managing it mm-hmm. perfectly uh, from, from from where i sit
1: alongside Todd Fedorick, uh, Philadelphia Flyers analyst. Uh, All right. I want to ask you about Nick Delorier. Wherever he goes, he becomes a folk hero. And uh, there's another chapter written yesterday in the, the fight with Matthew Olivier. Uh, I love the way they both called it off at the end. And, you know, the head nuggies. I don't know, I'm a sucker for all that stuff, Todd. Uh, what do you make of, uh, of of Nick Delorier? Not just last night and the Olivier scrap, but just, you know, Nick Delorier in general. I can remember watching him in Anaheim saying like, yeah, he's tough and all that, but he's also playing second unit penalty kill here. Like, it's a little bit of a player in here as well, folks. Let's not lose sight of that. Just your thoughts on on Nicholas DeLaurier.
2: No, I'm obviously biased. I'm going to be real biased to Nick DeLaurier. <laughs> he's a, a style of player and <laughs> that he, uh, <clears throat> he's representative of something that hockey's forgot. I'll put it right out there. Hockey's forgotten the element that a guy like Nick DeLaurier brings. And I don't need to say the word. Everybody knows what I'm talking about if you're a true purist yeah. in hockey. What he brings isn't necessarily going to be point production. He's going to bring a guy that is solidifying that locker room. He's going to know when to act, and he's going to know at what level that action needs to be uh, taken. And he does it with class. He does it with uh, honor. He does it with all the right things that you need to do it with. And he's one of the best guys in the locker room. And not only that, he's a hockey player first. And that's, that's what's important. He's mm. playing hockey. He's got a responsibility out there. And he takes that out on the ice, and he, he sticks with it, right? So he's got some consistency in that area, and then he's got the right time. He knows when to, to pick those fights and when's to get, when to um, present that element. And um, he does it well. He doesn't, he's not a dishonest guy, um, and that's followed him. That's the type of guy he is. Um, and that's the type of person you have to be. You're representing something for hockey in that role. You know, and when I say we forgot about something, it, it, those guys represent the willingness to do a little bit more than the guy that doesn't need to do that because they produce in other ways. But you see those young guys on our team, they see a guy named Nick Deloria sticking up for his teammates or Nick Sealer as well, responding without question and sending the message to the team. Those young guys, every young guy that comes into this hockey, they're like, wow, that's cool. That is awesome. I want to be a part yeah. of this game. I want to be a part of the NHL. And that's a special thing that uh, Nick Delaurier brings. That's why he's going to be an asset in this game, and it's it's a, it's an important asset, I think, that a lot of teams, um, every team needs that in hockey. Uh, obviously, I told you I'm going to be biased. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, too, that you mentioned Nick Sealer because, you know, interestingly enough, it was Sealer's fight with Nick DeLaurier that really, I think, turned around the Philadelphia Flyers organization's thoughts on Nick Sealer. And it's like, well, hang on a second here. We may have thought of, you know, sending him down to the American Hockey League, but the guy just stood up to, to Nick DeLaurier. He just, like, kept going every single game, bought himself another game, bought himself another game, bought himself another game, himself another game earned himself another game and now here we are with with Nick Seeler and we always talk about you know the old orange right and and thinking back to the identity of the Philadelphia Flyers and in my mind there's always been two teams in the NHL it took Philadelphia historically a little bit to get there but they got there and there's two teams that have always wanted at least one slugger on the team. One of them is St. Louis. Historically, the Blues have always been that team. And Philadelphia, you know, after their many wars in the late '60s, early '70s with the uh, with the St. Louis Blues, came along the same thing. And so you mentioned about Nick Delorier and you know that you know that presence that he has and what he is able to bring to the game that a lot of fans and a lot of teams have forgotten man that's just old philadelphia and that's what tortorella preached and that's what briere and that's what jones like that is like i'll just be blunt that's what philadelphia flyers fans want like that's the type of hockey and those are the type of players like sure they want couturier and farabee and travis Connectney, like you need all those guys just like you needed Clark and you needed McLeish and you needed Leach and you needed Barber but as far as identity goes what do we think about when we think about the Philadelphia Flyers well and Bernie Perrant too but these are real identity guys on your team let me ask you about some of those guys too let me ask you about Sean Couturier what were your expectations coming in because really I had no expectations I was just happy to see Couturier back what did you expect out of Couturier this year?
2: don't get hurt. Like, don't get hurt. That's, those are he came <laughs> off some big, big surgeries. Like those are, those are, that's his, that's the back. Yeah. That's an important part of the body. And then Cam Max as well. And yeah. he still have that, um, defensive prowess, like the timing, all of the, the abilities, the stick work that he has, he's good at it. Right. Is, is that still going to be there? How long is that going to come take to come back? Um, and that's that's the thing, it, and it speaks to the professionalism of Kachuria. you know, staying ready for almost a year and a half while he's out of the lineup, uh, can't play. Um, it speaks to his, uh, his professionalism as a, as a hockey player to stay ready and come and contribute, because he had some great years prior to those injuries, and he's a really, really good defensive player for us. He's one of the leaders in the locker room as well, so... A lot of credit to, to the work that uh, he did to get himself ready to play, and, and right from the start, it was without question. Like first first shift I remember in preseason, he went and the first thing he did was make sure tested his body, putting uh, some body out there, and he laid a hit on somebody. Um, sure. And then just his timing came up, and he's been a really good surprise because he's a, he's a, he's the a centerpiece um, on draws. He's relied on a lot on the defensive play. He's going to play against top players, but then he's also playing with Tyson Forrester and connect me. So he's generating offense as well. So yeah, he's a special, um, special player. And it, it even speaks to how special he is after a year and a half off to come, come in, in full stride. Yeah. Uh, it's been a real blessing for the flyers to have kids play like that. Gritty too. He's a great, uh, I got three,
1: hundred percent. And now with Bergeron, not in the equation, it's uh, it's jump off for the Selkie trophy. It's uh, it's, it's anyone's it's, it's up for grabs. And we've seen uh, Couturier in that conversation before. Have about 30 seconds for this answer. And maybe it's not enough time, but every time I check in with someone in Philadelphia, like I did yesterday and say tongue in cheek, you know, Hey, the rebuild is over. This is the Philadelphia flyers. It said, I always get back. Don't forget. This is still a rebuild. So here's the question. Can they sustain this? Or are we just fooling ourselves in saying the rebuild is over? What is this, Todd Fedorak? I got thirty seconds.
2: Okay, I think what this is: one, it's a long season. We're a young team, and Coach Tortorella is the one that's going to lead that messaging, and he's doing a pretty good job of it because he's like, "Let's not get ahead yeah. of ourselves. We've dealt with the ebbs and flows well, and we need to continue that. We need to we need to know that we're not in a position yet where we're going to be going to the playoffs." Um, we are still in a rebuild we've got young guys that are doing well and they've got to continue doing well Um, I think it's still um, it's still in that state where we're not getting ahead of ourselves and that's where we're at as a team and an organization and Torch is going to teach that fundamental traditions fundamental hockey and um, stay with that but yes we are in a good position right now it's about maintaining
1: fun to watch, as I mentioned. Uh, Todd, listen, thanks so much for uh, for doing this. Continued success. Uh, doing a great job, as always. And uh, look, man, Flyers are just flat out fun to watch now. Like, I, I dig it. And the NHL is strongest when teams like the Philadelphia Flyers are competitive. Todd, thanks so much for doing this. Much appreciated. No
2: problem, Jeff.
1: There he is, Todd Fedorik, uh, analyst for the Philadelphia Flyers on radio. Time now for Line Change, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook, bet local matt marchese uh i don't know what we're going to do with this feature tomorrow there's no games on the board around the nhl and then thursday there's no games as well because it's united states thanksgiving we'll have to come up with something but today matt marchese we have games so what is tickling you tonight got the Panthers uh, taking on the Oilers,
3: and the Panthers are at home. The puck line is Panthers minus one and a half. The under is 3-1-1 one, one in the last five meetings. The under is 3-0-2 oh, in the last five meetings in Florida. And here's one, Jeff. The right. Oilers are 12-1 and one in the last 13 meetings in Florida.
1: Okay, this is, um, like, we've talked a lot about how the Oilers don't have the luxury of having a bad game. Or don't have the luxury, really, of losing games <laughs> at all. Like, man, you don't make the playoffs early, but you can take yourselves out. And I keep saying to myself, like, I can't, I can't see a scenario where the Oilers don't make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, but the goalie search continues. Calvin Pickard's in net for the Edmonton Oilers. Sergei Bobrovsky goes tonight. This one you can watch on Roger's Monday Night Hockey. Uh, when I start to hear comments, the likes of which we heard from Leon Dreisaitl, in Mark Spector's piece, and I encourage everybody to go read that at our website, sportsnet.ca. I start to get concerned about, you know, feeling the puck and one-timers and don't like how I'm feeling it right now. Like, if I'm an Oilers fan, I'm hating to hear that. But, no Alexander Barkov tonight. For the Florida Panthers, they have played really well, and they have two of their top dogs on the back end, Brandon Montour and Aaron Eckblad back. But still... This is going to be a tough couple of weeks for the Oilers. They lost to Tampa on Saturday. Cannot lose to the Florida Panthers tonight. Or else, well, or else more questions about the future of this team. And they need the big boys to show up, unlike Saturday where they didn't. That was Line Change, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook, Bet Local. David Amber, host of Rogers Monday Night Hockey Up, next, Hour 2 on the Horizon. Keep it here. your daily dose of everything NFL.
2: It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Okay, welcome back to the program. Welcome to hour two. Tonight, seven games around the NHL. Want to get to Edmonton, Florida here in a couple of seconds. One bit of information to share with you. Uh, Colorado and Nashville. You know, yesterday we talked about Patrick Line healthy scratch. Tonight, for Nashville, Luke Evangelista uh, gets scratched for the Nashville Predators. Here is Andrew Brunette. It's just a little bit of a reset. The last five or six games, he's probably not been playing up to his standards and my expectation of him. I don't think he's been skating like he skated earlier in the year. I think it's good just to take a step back. He's a skilled, smart hockey player. Sometimes you just need a little bit of refresh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, if I'm reading in between the lines here. Defensively, he's been bad the last five or six games, and the fact that Thomas Novak is injured probably isn't helping Luke Evangelista all that much. If I have my Andrew Brunette Nashville Predators uh, decoder ring on, Uh, That's kind of what I'm saying. Sounds like foodie goes in his place uh, tonight. Meanwhile, speaking of tonight, all the action gets underway. 6.30 Eastern on Sportsnet with uh, your pregame show, Hockey Central. And then just after 7 o'clock, it is the Oilers facing off against the Florida Panthers on Rogers Monday Night Hockey. David Amber is the host of that fine program, and he joins me now. DA, how
0: are you, pal? Doing well. Getting all pumped up for tonight's show. It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: It's uh yeah I I don't know who it's going to be fun for on the <laughs> ice the Florida Panthers or the Edmonton Oilers that's a, like Florida's going gangbusters right like Florida's like we all thought that Florida was going to be in this position of you yeah. know just try to hang on until Ekblad and Montour come back here and all of a sudden, next thing you know, like, they've exceeded all expectations, tucked into a real nice playoff spot in the Atlantic. Meanwhile, you know, it's Chicken Little, and the skies are falling in, in Edmonton. Uh, that was a tough one on Saturday for the Oilers, 6-4. to four. How do you see the Oilers right now? And I'm not sure if you've read Mark Spector's latest at .ca, but some of the quotes coming out of both Dreisaitl and McDavid are, I don't know, concerning, if we give, the, give that word a soft landing.
0: Yeah, you know what, um... The, the Mark Spector article that you and Elliot both referred to was really, it was quite telling. And we've never seen this before with the Oilers where kind of they're, not, they're having problems, but it's their two superstars that have been incredibly consistent that are part of the issue, uh, which is strange. It's uncharted territory, essentially, having dry and McDavid. I mean, McDavid has five Art Ross trophies and he's tied for 91st right now in scoring. And I, re- you know, I recognize he missed a couple of games, but it's still, you know, it's unfathomable. Yeah. Of all the things we thought might go sideways for the Oilers, Jeff, it wouldn't be that, you know, yeah. that their superstars would have trouble sort of putting the puck in the net. So um, that's of, of major interest tonight to see how that plays out. The Oilers have historically had really great success in Florida, and I know this trip is all about trying to right the ship and, and you know, s- essentially save their season. They've won 12 of the last 13 in Florida for whatever that's worth. So at least there could be some feel good vibes. You've mentioned Barkov's expected to be out, so this is one of those yeah. nights where you're circling it, and, and they need to to produce.
1: You know, this is a real tough schedule as well. I've been uh, banging this yeah. drum as well. Like it was, you know, those first three games. Well, I mean, uh, last th- three games before the Tampa game uh, were wins for the uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. But it's Florida today, and then Carolina, Washington. Yeah. Anaheim, who knows? Are you get in the 2007 Anaheim Ducks. We've seen that <laughs> Anaheim Ducks team so far, uh, various times, and then Vegas, and then Winnipeg. So, like, the end of this month is anything but easy. So, just when you think you've righted the ship, and new coach comes in, and okay, you're going to get McDavid and Drysaddle going, like there is nothing easy about the remainder of this month for the Edmonton Oilers if they're going to quote unquote make it da. They're going to have to earn it. These are some tough teams.
0: Yeah, and, and we've seen this. We've seen this in the past with teams like Vancouver, with teams like Ottawa, where it's not that like you're going to win a Stanley Cup in October, or November, but you certainly can play yourself right out of the playoffs. And I'm not going to say the Oilers have done that because I do think this team is good enough to to you know make a move. But they're right now currently sitting 30th in the standings. Calvin Pickard is in tonight, so that's going to be interesting yes. to see you know his uh, you know his season debut with the Oilers. You know there's a guy he has. Some history, you know, this is his sixth team. He's, he's been around the league. He, he knows how to perform at this level, but it's also thrusting them into a very different environment. He played the last few years with Detroit. He hasn't, he hasn't started an NHL game in, in, you know, 20 months. So what are you going to get from Calvin Pickard? That's another big question mark tonight. And one thing we're going to do tonight, by the way, the well, reason I-, I said it, yeah, sorry, Jeff, go on.
1: No, I was, was gonna say that. That's and I, w- I want to get to what you're gonna to do tonight because listen, I, I love this panel and, and Colby's on tonight. As I always mm-hmm. joke about Colby Armstrong and watching him with Josh gets off last night during the Pittsburgh Penguins game, the only guy I know who can smoke a cigarette in the <laughs> <is there. laughs> that to me looks like. And we've had a couple of these moments already for Edmonton this season. Like, does that not feel like in case of emergency, break glass or a hail mary pass or however, however you want to describe it?
0: Well, goaltending's been the number one question mark. We kept so many, you know, quote-unquote experts who follow hockey, and and myself included, said, yeah, this this looks like a a Stanley Cup winning caliber Oiler team, with the caveat, you know, big asterisks. How's the goaltending going to fare? And there was question marks surrounding Stuart Skinner, surrounding Jack Campbell, but quite honestly, I thought they were going to be fine. I I think we've seen over the last two years, whether it's Aiden Hill or whether it's Darcy Kemper, I, we, you don't need Patrick Waugh or Martin Brodeur in that, but you need uh, solid goaltending. And I thought yeah. Skinner and Campbell, you know, with 1A, one 1B, one could provide solid goaltending. And we've seen this year the save percentage near the bottom of the league, and that hasn't been the case. And, and I don't want to put it all on the goalies because they're giving up incredible, you know, they're near the bottom of the league with almost every metric, high danger chances, slot shots allowed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, granted, yeah. you know, if Thatcher Demko was their goalie, what would the Oilers' record be this year? We, it, it'd be interesting to see that, right? Um, so that's part of the equation, uh, certainly. But, but you know, there are, there are a ton of question marks going in. And what I was going to say about tonight's show, which we're, I'm excited for, we have Colby, Cassie Campbell-Pascal, Anson Carter as the panel. Uh, we have the top four yeah. picks from that 2014 draft, Ekblad, Reinhardt, Dreisidel, and Bennett all in the lineup tonight. Uh, we do something called, yeah, yeah, every Monday we do something called one big question and we come up with just a fun topic to debate and, you know, kind of just get your opinions out there and and have at it. And our, uh, producer, Dave Azuma, who does a great job every week, uh, he came up with a question, let's redraft 2014. And because it's, I, I named the four guys who were in our game tonight, but when you look through it, you know, it's a really amazing, you know, group of, of players that were drafted, uh, that, you know, who were out there that year, Point, Pasternak, um, you know, Demko, yep. uh, Shusterkin, etc I mean, we're talking about a who's who there's, there's a um, guy in
1: Toronto. There's a guy in Toronto. We just saw in Stockholm, that's kind of the, the darling.
0: <laughs> yeah. D- Dylan Larkin. I mean, yeah, a hundred percent. So we're going to redraft, yeah. not the whole thing, obviously. We're just going to do the, who would be, we saw who the top four were in 2014, nine years later, who would you take as your top four? So I can't wait to see what what Ace and Cass and Colby uh, have to say.
1: You know, I, I wonder too how much of that is just going to come down to what place you like. What what place do you put a premium on? Like if you believe mm-hmm. that you know scoring goals. Is the hardest thing to do. Then you take David Pasternak first overall. It's funny too because going into that, I remember that draft. That was the Philadelphia draft, and going into that one, I think we we're all wondering about Czech hockey players and Czech snipers. And it was the debate between David Pasternak and Jacob Varana and who was <laughs> going to end up going higher. And Pasternak had a kind of an injury-plagued year, but if you looked at sort of, you know, the the trend of the previous seasons, you're saying to yourself, okay, Pasternak is a better player here, Varane had the great season, he ends up going higher and falls right into the laps of the Boston Bruins. But then if you say, Mm -hmm. nah, you win championships down the middle and that's how you do it, then how do you go against taking Leon Dreisaitl? As your first overall, or if you believe you build it at the back end, then you just do what Dale Talon did with the Florida Panthers and take Aaron Akba. See, I general managers hate this. <laughs> like, I remember Doug McLean, whenever we would do this on, on TV or radio, Doug would hate it. Like, I General managers hate redrafts. <laughs> just hate redrafts. General managers yeah, we, we, hate it, but broadcasters yeah. and fans just love it, DA. Just love it.
0: Well, listen, it's a great conversation. I think we're going to get four different, or three different answers. I certainly have been thinking this through, and I, at the end, usually just give my little two cents worth uh, in there as well. But there's, I, you know, it's one of those classes. There's no wrong answers, but you know what? There's a lot of different answers, and it all comes up to what your interpretation is. If someone were to say we're redrafting, I'm going to go Shisterkin, Demko, Sorokin. I mean, that's kind of crazy, but it's not insane, right? It's not like yeah. you're going to go, you can make that argument yeah. if you're like, I want to have a world-class goalie. That's how I'm going to build my team.
1: You know, you know, but and again, I'm just doing this by points. But you know who the top two point getters from that draft on the back end are? They're both in your game, Aaron Eckblad and Brandon Montour. Montour, hey, Montour, Montour in the was uh, by the Anaheim Ducks.
0: Uh, <laughs> How it was funny is that? 2014
1: as well. Like you, so there you, go. you got some good stuff here. It's like you got some some good fruit on the vine here for tonight's program. Yeah. Um, so, so this it, is just, it, we'll, box, just after seven o'clock Eastern. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's I love stuff like that. I think we all do. Uh, just after seven o'clock, the puck drops. The Florida Panthers and the Edmonton Oilers. Um, I just want to get you know a couple of minutes left here with you. I want to get your your thought on uh, what we just saw in Stockholm. And mm. I saw you bright and early. I woke up. I had a cup of coffee and my robe on, and you were all <laughs> dressed up, looking great, and Justin and Nick as well. I'm like, woof! That's an early morning for the fellas. Um, but you know, and it was William Nylander at the end, who was really a darling all you know all series long. Uh, in Stockholm, it, it seemed as if that this time around for the Global Series, the NHL really got it right. You know, what stood out most? More, what stood out more than anything else for you at the Global Series? Was it the games? Was it the ex-NHLers? Was it the Swedish Hall of Famers? Like, what was it about the Global Series in Stockholm that really clicked
0: for you, D.A.? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I think it's the experience of the players from sweden you know you have six you know four active roster but six maple leafs uh from sweden you have four guys on the minnesota wild of course you have lucas raymond who was pretty good in his two games there for detroit you know, it's the smiles on their faces. It was the shots of their families in the crowd. Maybe we take this for granted a little bit. Like, it's, it's always in our backyard, right? Hockey is readily available on this side yeah. of the Atlantic for the friends, for the families, for those coaches that were on the journey with these young men when they were 6, 7, 10, 12 years old. It's a little different, you know, in Sweden. And the idea that, you know, and William Nylander, of course, he was the big star you know, certainly from a Toronto perspective, that his grandmother finally got to see him play in person after he's been in the league for, you know, almost a decade. That's, that's pretty wild. Right. So to me, being able to sort of get a, a bird's eye view of that experience through the lens of their friends, their families, you know, the players. And then look, listen, William Nylander is like the most cerebral kind of chilled out dude there is. But even he was like, you know, being interviewed <laughs> with Sean McKenzie he's smiling and he's, He's soaking it up. He was really into the moment. And to me, I, I like that part yeah. of it. The fact that we got four games, all of them decided by one goal, you know, three of them needing extra time, that was like an extra cherry on the on the cake, essentially. But um, it was, I think to me, it was just the overall experience. And to also witness... You know, NHL keeps sort of branding itself as this great global game, and we got a little bit of a proof of it. Um, now, it's not just the love of the game here in Canada and the insatiable appetite we have for it, but certainly across the Atlantic and the Scandinavian countries, and in, you know, in places like Germany, where it's growing and growing and growing. And I've heard Elliot say that might be a natural next spot for them to go. You know, next year, uh, it's yeah. pretty you know, it's pretty spectacular to see the to witness sort of the pageantry and everything associated with the event, and I think it, it came off really well.
1: Um, Quick little thought on Canadian teams specifically. Uh, Mm -hmm. Maple Leafs just had a really nice uh, week in Stockholm. The Vancouver Canucks... Been one of the stories of the uh, of the year so far. Not only are they doing well, but uh, they're pretty much. I mean, listen, you start to you know do the uh, do the trophies after 20 games here, and the Vancouver Canucks <laughs> are scooping up all the hardware, whether it's Pedersen or Miller or Hughes or Demko, etc., and talking with the Jack Adams, and it's uh, it, it's it's pretty interesting. But which you know, outside of Edmonton, which we've already covered in a little bit of the Maple Leafs, which teams? really are in, not 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 are they not are the best story but which ones intrigue you the most we'll we'll finish up on that
0: well i mean the vancouver story's been a great story you know they had a little you know bump on the road with the losses in the last two games uh you know they'll hope to correct that tonight against san jose uh a team they beat thoroughly 10 to 1 a few weeks ago so i'm sure they'll be feeling good about uh, beginning that game The Vancouver story is good. I think the Winnipeg Jets story is very good as well, quite frankly. Um, You know, we still all are thinking about Rick Bonus and his wife, and, you know, the fact they, you know, they they had really big decisions to make coming into this season. What was going to happen with Shifley? What was going to happen with Hellebach? You know, are they going to kind of blow this thing up and start it again and all this and instead of doing that kevin shovel day off and the ownership group were able to sign those guys and that's really important and what's the team gone out and done they've rewarded them with a, a fantastic start to the season um you know they're quietly one point behind dallas for first place in the in the uh central division a division with dallas and colorado i mean you could argue you know, with all due respect to the Vegas Golden Knights, you could argue, you know, three of the four best teams in the West reside in the central, um, alongside Vegas, and they're right there with those big boys. And this is a really cool story. Yeah. And they've had you know and they've had some adversity, Jeff. You know that they've had some injuries already. Uh you oh, yeah. know, yeah, Vinny Hanola goes down and you know, et cetera. Perfetti, et cetera. They've had some guys banged up, uh, and Gabe Velarde, et cetera, and they've found the depth that they've needed. It hasn't just been, oh, let's rely on Connor Hellebuck to steal games. He's played very well, but he hasn't had to steal yeah. games. So to me, that's a great storyline. It's maybe an undertold storyline. And, you know, it's funny. I was on a Vancouver radio hit this morning, and they said, what do, what do you think Canada's best chance to win the Cup? And I said, well, obviously, if you asked me two months ago, I was saying Edmonton. Um, and if asked me today, I might say, sneakily, it might be Winnipeg. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if that sounds like hyperbole to you, but they to me, are the least flawed overall team. doesn't mean they're the best team, but they just, you know, there's just really big question marks right now surrounding some of the other Canadian teams. And Vancouver, I love the story, but, I, you know, they need a little bit longer body of work for me to sit there and anoint them, you know, Canada's best chance, even though I really like this Canucks team. Um, you know, so Winnipeg just sneakily going about their business, and I love it. I think that's what a really kind of undertold storyline so far in this season.
1: Couple of things there. One, I um, well Perfetti. Let me let me let me just get a, a couple of thoughts in here on Cole Perfetti because he mentioned his name. He all he does is perform. All he does <laughs> is pile up points. And all I see is at the end of the night, Cole Perfetti with like only twelve minutes of ice time. <laughs> like, okay, it's maybe Friday. time to bump up the ice time. Like, Cole, like yeah, all was- the guy does is perform. Like he's taking that next step now. And then you grab the you grab the the, the summary and you're like. How could skating 12 and a half minutes?
0: Like this is perfect. You know what we gotta get um, you. Let me let me goals per goals per sixty. I, I don't know. I don't know where Cole Perfetti goals yes, for sixty yes. minutes play. You know, like because he's probably right there near the point. Sixty, yeah. Or points per sixty. So you might you might just yeah, want to say I, though, I, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Ease this guy in. Let him feel good about himself. But talk uh, about efficiency. Unbelievable
1: yeah let him run okay let me end, let me end on this one you're a, you're a big gym guy so you'll, you'll appreciate this one going back to your your topic for tonight, i'm trying to I'm trying to like produce your topic now me and David Zuber are trying to <laughs> produce this, this this feature you're doing you're doing Tyler 2014 draft. one of my favorite stories that I still shake my head at and, and you're a gym guy you'll appreciate this there was like we all know that you know Tampa ended up getting Brayden point in the third round and you look at you mm-hmm. like holy how did he not go top five um So there was a team in the NHL at the draft that year, and all the Western scouts were screaming for their manager to take Braden Point. Hmm. And there was one voice at the table that was very, I got to be very careful how I say this, that was very influential and had convinced everybody else or was making the point that they shouldn't draft Braden Point. You know why, David? because at the Combine, he had very poor force plate results. And mm. in his mind, there were no NHLers that were successful who did poorly at the force
0: plate. As a gym mm.
1: guy, do you have a thought on <laughs> drafting based on force plate numbers? I don't know.
0: I mean, I, I, we've seen this in other sports <laughs> too. I mean, famously, Kevin Durant, who's you know an NBA Hall of Famer, couldn't bench press 185 pounds and there was all these question marks how's his body going to translate in the NBA last time I checked you're not you're not bench pressing while you're running up and down the court you know last time I checked you're not doing chin-ups as you're running up you're skating up and down the ice you know like these are all extra little tidbits to take in it's just like the way I look at analytics I I, you can't base everything on analytics you can certainly use it as a complementary piece of information to help you make Sort of your own uh, opinion on something. It, it might help your argument or reinforce something. Um, and I look at the combines the same way. I mean, Connor Bedard actually did quite well yeah. during the combines. But I also think what's happening, you know, certainly for the last period of time, is the players know what's coming in the combine and they're all kind of practicing it. It's almost like studying for the SATs oh, or yeah. something. Um, I, I think <laughs> you got to watch a player and how they think the game. Right, um, Braden Point. Yep. with that explosive skating stride and everything else he provides and his hockey sense is so high that might not translate when you're doing the combine, some of those things. Right. So I, yep. I think you take it with a grain of salt and I think you could, it could help you and you could get burned by it. And if you're going to make absolutes like, well, this guy is bad in the force place, He can't play hockey. That seems like just a, <laughs> a, a, a you know, and now we know, right. And he went in the third round as he said, it just seems yeah. like a crazy, a crazy notion. I see a lot of guys in the gym, uh, you know, doing their thing, and I'm not sure any of these guys would be NHL-caliber players. So I I just think we got to be very careful with all that.
1: Uh, I love it. I agree with you about 100%. And finally, here's from our producer, David Siss, uh, to your point about Cole Perfetti and points per game. Mm -hmm. So Perfetti has 3.547 points per 60. That ranks 39th in the league. That's really good for him. Uh, wow. Some notable names he's ahead of. Hang on, some notable names he's ahead of. You like this one, Da? Austin Matthews, Brad Marchand, Nathan McKinnon, Evgeny Malkin, Joe Pavelski, Alex DeBrinket.
0: <laughs> wow! No, that I- thats amazing. When well, now when you say Austin Matthews, I know we well, have got to factor in he's now killing penalties, so you're obviously at a, a, you're going out on the ice at a time where you're not expected to collect points. But regardless of that, it does speak to Cole Perfetti and how efficient he's been. And you know what? I, I think they're hey, Rick- like, easing them in. You know, they're, they're easing them in, and it's working out well, and they're winning games. So I, I, they're probably saying, why well, give this kid more minutes right now? We, we can make him feel good. It's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. But I'm with you. You certainly earned whatever ice time and more uh, down the road. So it's something to keep an eye on. Absolutely.
1: Okay, you have a show to get to and, uh, and, uh, and get, uh, get cracking on. We'll be watching tonight starting at 6.30 Eastern with a pregame show. The puck drops just after 7. It is the Oilers. It is the Florida Panthers and Rogers uh, Monday night hockey. Uh, to you, to Cassie, to Anson, and to Colby, have a great one tonight, DA. We'll be watching.
0: Appreciate it, Jeff. Thanks so much for having
1: me on. The great David Amber, uh, host of Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Again, Oilers and the Florida Panthers. Okay, so a couple of things here uh, as we bring aboard Matt Marchese. Hey, Matty, you want to hear something funny? Yeah, I do have a cold Perfetti stat as well if you want it. Before we get to funny, you got a Perfetti stat? Okay, yeah. just bring on the Cole Perfetti stats. Here All we go. Right, so the Perfetti hour.
3: Yeah. So for even strength points per 60, because that's a very good indicator, because we know he doesn't get a lot of power play time as well. Uh, he plays, he's 13th. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. 13th in the league in even strength points per 60, uh, right behind some guy named Elias Pettersson. That's for guys that have played 10 games or more. <laughs>
1: Okay, so this is uh, now we're all just sort of working for his agency, I guess. It's big enough Cole Perfetti yeah, to check get in the somewhere. mail. I just treated this as a sort of part of a part of <laughs> there's no I in team, but there's two eyes in invoice. Sure Never is. forget that, Matt Marchese. There's two eyes and two eyes and in invoice. Um, Perfetti's been great for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, you know, I have always had a special place in my heart for Perfetti. What's that? One, uh, I watched him play a ton through the OHL, but two, he was the Dale Howard truck pick. Mm hmm. That was COVID year, and that was after Dale passed away, and that pick was made by the Howard Chuck family. Yeah. So that's always got a special place uh, in my heart, to say nothing of. He's just a flat-out, really good hockey player. Okay, you want to hear a funny hockey story? Yes, so I do. we just had Todd Fedoric on, mm-hmm. radio analyst for the, uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers, former Philadelphia Flyer himself, real tough player. So I just got a note from Todd Warner while he was on, uh, you know, Fridge is the best, glad to see him doing so well. And reminded me of a great story. We just saw Ken Hitchcock going to the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's because of decisions like this that Ken Hitchcock is in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So the line that year with Philadelphia was Fedorik, Marty Murray, mm-hmm. and Todd Warner. And Ken Hitchcock had one rule for that line. Do you know what it was? I'm sure they had other lines, other rules. But this was the main rule for that line. The rule for that line, Todd Warner, Marty Murray... And Todd Fedoric was they were not allowed to pass the puck towards the net. So even in the (laughs) offensive zone, if you're coming from behind the net, you're not allowed to pass it to the point. You're not allowed to pass it to the front of the net. Your passes only go sideways. Nothing gets directed no matter how far away you are from the nets towards the nets. That was Ken Hitchcock's rule For that line could not at any point direct the puck towards their own net. Do you have a thought on that one? What's the what's the underlying message there? Well yeah.
3: Well, I thought it was gonna be don't get scored on, because that's usually what a third and fourth line is told. But like in this case, it's like literally do not do anything with the puck. Don't even (laughs) think about putting it in danger. Don't think that you're gonna score like you did in junior. No, 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 no. You do nothing. Uh... Just you know what he might as well have said? Keep the puck along the boards. Don't move it anywhere else. Just go around the offensive zone and you just, get to the blue line, go right back down towards the bottom of the goal line.
1: Uh, just shuffle up and down the boards yeah. with the puck along your skate. Yeah, That's what we're going to do. Just like you're trying to freeze it. Just bring the puck down. Just let, guys. Our guys, let our guys get <laughs> some energy and they're not as tired. That's what your job is. <sighs> Because, let's face it, gentlemen, when the puck's on your stick, I swear it has corners. <laughs> it is not a round puck. That's how you handle the puck, you three goofballs. Oh, my God. That's um, awesome. That from Todd Warner, that one, uh, that one made me laugh. Hey,
3: how are you doing, hey, Matty? I'm, good, I'm good. good. You know, I did have an, an observation on, on Todd Fedor because he did the, the interview over Zoom, and the one thing I noticed, it's the yeah. one thing about former NHLers, man, the teeth yeah. job that he got was great. You can tell a hockey player when they're done playing.
1: Okay. This is where I tell my Trevor Linden story. Yep. Did I tell you my Trevor Linden teeth story I've I've heard this one. I like it. So I remember this would have been hockey day in Canada back when I was working at CBC. I can't remember which hockey day it was. It might have been Whitehorse. And was talking to Linden. uh, I think it might have been after the charity game. And said to him, like, when did it Feel like you were retired because when you retire like you don't feel like you've retired uh, for a long time uh, just like you know remember like uh, you graduated school it didn't feel like you didn't have school to go back to for quite some time and so I asked Lyndon that and he said it didn't hit me that I was retired until I was in the dentist chair and I was getting my teeth fixed because there's no point in getting your teeth fixed while you're still playing. You can do like basic maintenance on them, but there's no point in really getting them fixed while you're still playing. And he said it was really interesting. He said he was lying there in the, in the dentist chair getting his teeth finally fixed for the rest of his life and thinking to himself, wow, it's just hitting me now that it's real. I'm not going back to play hockey. Yeah. What a feeling that must be, like not really feeling it until you're getting your teeth fixed. I wonder how many other ex-NHLers had that same experience, but that was certainly true for Trevor Linden.
3: Yeah, and... I mean, it is. It's kind of that moment where you just where life hits you, right? And that's it's it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Also, because you now have to pay for it, so that's also a part of the equation as well.
1: <laughs> um, so th- that reminds Wait me. Wait a minute, I got I got to finally <laughs> to finally spend my communion money. This sucks. Yeah, so I honestly, pay- I never had to pay for things when I played in the NHL. Yeah, what is this? Uh
3: wow. that reminds me of the. um The Terry Ryan story, our pal Terry Ryan from his book, Tales of a First Round Nothing, when he was playing in the the, minors. The Dallas story? Yeah, and he (sighs) he basically had to knock out his own tooth, bring it onto the ice, and then have one of his teammates look like they clipped him while he was skating around.
1: (laughs) uh, So he goes to Dallas Stars camp. And he doesn't have a contract. And he asked someone there about getting dental work. I know the story. Tr told me this one. He goes, I, I I talked to someone there. I'm like, you know, I really need dental work. And they're like, well, we can't. You know, you're not covered until you unless you make the team and you get a contract. Like now, if you injure yourself while you're here, then you'll get covered. And so he goes, <laughs> oh, okay, okay, that's what I have to do. And so Terry, oh man. <laughs> He tried it with a toy hammer first, didn't he? He said, (laughs) so he did. So he's got, oh, Terry. So he's in his apartment before the first skate. This is the night before. And he says he has a drink of rum to get some courage. And he's got, like, the file or the screwdriver, and he's got a hammer. He's going to knock out one of his teeth so he can get surgery. And he like he starts to think about slamming the slamming the the uh, the, the screwdriver into his teeth to knock it out. Ah, uh, can't do it. Has another drink of rum. Okay, I'm ready for it now. Uh still can't. Ends up drinking, I think, like the entire bottle of rum, and then finally does it. Like slams the screwdriver <laughs> into his face and knocks out a tooth. You know, how there's like dumb, and then there's hockey dumb. Yeah. Anyhow, just an aside. So Terry does that. The next day he shows up and he makes sure, makes sure that he's not showing his teeth to anybody and he's got his you know, front lip down so no one can see he's got a tooth out. And he said he put his, he told me he put his tooth in his hockey pants and he gets out on the ice, he does a couple of hard laps and then fakes falling and goes slamming into the boards and then pulls his tooth out from his hockey pants and that was the moment he got his dental work covered <laughs> because he got the injury <laughs> while he was skating with the Dallas Stars. This is
3: the insurance company online Terry too. Will tell Terry it,
1: t- Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. Insurance fraud. What? Um, uh, Terry can and uh, Terry told me that both on and off the air. So I'm not telling. Well, it's you in his book? It's in either. his book, so you it's out in there. Trouble, and it's and it's it's, it's in uh, Tales of a First Round Nothing, which I hate, by the way. I I, I love Terry, and I love the book. I hated that. In, that title for it because you get drafted in the first round, you play like one game or even go to one yeah, training not camp. Nothing. You're not a nothing. Yeah, that that ain't nothing. Uh, but that's Terry Ryan and getting his getting his dental work paid for <laughs> because he worked up the. Does Rogers have that? Like, if we get hurt tooth. on the job, do we get our, our all of our dental work covered? Because I have some ideas. Why don't you try? Why don't you try knocking a tooth out right now? Lance already offered. This show you've been with me now. You've been you've been with me now for three years here on this property, Marchese. If you really cared about this show, <laughs> you would knock a tooth out on television. We'll build it up. We'll make a we'll make a big hype video about it and build the whole thing up. Big crescendo on Friday where you're going to knock out one of your own teeth yeah. if you cared about the show Mark Casey, that's what you would do. Yeah, my wife already hates the mustache. You would really
3: not be a fan of me with one less tooth. I can promise Dude, you that. You would
1: so look like you would so look like Drew Downey <laughs> if you knocked out one tooth.
3: <laughs> yeah, my wife would be like, "Oh, and the divorce papers are where?" Thank you very much. Uh, I'm not much to look so at to good. begin with, Jeff. So, so. good.
1: Ah listen um do you have a a thought on what we just saw in stockholm i know this is probably the last day we're talking about it but i i just thought that it was it, it came out so great uh, the whole uh the whole global series worked so well and i can't help but coming back that now the nhl figures they have the formula like you know how it took a while to get the winter classic down mm-hmm. you know how it took a, a while even just even just other events like dave Keon jr does such a great job with the nhl players tour and that hums now like the one that they do in Vegas every year they used to do in Chicago, like that hums. They do a great job of it in Europe as well. Like that thing really sings. Um, uh, Like, do you have a thought on what we just saw in Sweden? Like to me, it looks like, okay, now they have the prototype for how to do this. Thought on that? Yeah, I I think they nailed it. And the other the other key is, Jeff, is that the hockey was
3: good because there's a lot of time where, you know, you play games in, you know, in in other places and maybe it's not so good. And and you can the difference between the outdoor games and these games is this is a controlled setting. Whereas when they're outdoors, you know the hockey's not going to be good, but it's about the spectacle of the thing. This is a totally different environment because also yeah the way that the fans are in the stands is totally different than what you would see in North America. It's a totally different type of hockey fan, right? Because a lot of them wouldn't be a fan of this specific team that was in there. They may be a fan of a player or two, but they're not necessarily all going to be Leaf fans or Red Wings fans or Wild fans or whatever the case may be. So I think that is part of the equation here. But I I think when the games are good, I think that really helps with selling the product and getting people excited and, and all of that. So... That was part of it, but also they've been doing this for long enough now. And it's a lot of trial and error, not necessarily yeah. like trial and error, you know, where you're making a lot of mistakes, but you're trying to figure out what works. And because they've been doing it for so long, I think they have figured out what works with this. And I loved it. I love the scenics. Mm. The fact that the star of the weekend was a Swedish player was also a big deal. Like William Nylander stole the show. And I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought it was great. I know the players are probably it's not ideal for them to do this, but I think you know for the they growth of like the it. game, I think it's pretty good. And uh, listen, yeah. I was okay with watching hockey at eight a.m. Eastern or eleven a.m. Eastern. I'm I'm good with that kind of stuff. So
1: I loved it. Yep. I loved it. I, I think that you know the, a lot of this is the department that uh, that Steve Mayer runs. Uh, with the NHL um, you know he's sort of you know chief content officer a creative force um, you know ignore the man behind the curtain he's uh, a lot of the the moving force behind putting a lot of these events on um, so yeah it was sick like, it was just it was good it was just really really good Maddie. Um, yeah and th- to your point the hockey was excellent too uh, we gotta hit a break when we come back something I also really love that I don't know if we can start a series of this or maybe just start a collection and maybe go back in, in history and find more. I was talking to Sis about this on the, on the weekend. Um, you know my love of grumpy hockey players. Mm-hmm. You know you know how much I love grouchy, grumpy guys that come to the rink and everything sucks. They complain. Like, listen, you're watching or listening right now. You probably know people in your life playing hockey that are just grumps at the rink. Maybe it's just a reflection of my age, but I love these people now. They used to annoy me, but now I love them. Uh, Grumpy hockey players. And this weekend, not that it's one for the ages, because it's not, but as much as we can shine a spotlight on grumpy hockey players, Maddie, I really think we should do it. And we had a really good grumpy interview over the weekend from one of the NHL's best players. That's coming up next. Cue the Oscar the Grouch music, Glance, uh, because we're going grumpy hockey players in a couple of moments here. The beautiful, grumpy sounds of fill in the blank. Next. Across the Sportsnet Radio Network, it's America's show simulcast on Sportsnet 360 and your favorite podcast platform. Back in a moment.
2: Everything Raptors, before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Are you like me? Well, I certainly hope not for your sake. But if you're like me, you um, of all the characters on Sesame Street, maybe you liked Oscar the Grouch the best. It was one of my favorites from Sesame Street. And that carried over into my alleged adult life as well. And maybe that's why, Matt Marchese, I really enjoy... Grumpy hockey players. Grumpy hockey players at the rink. Grumpy hockey players working on their sticks. Grumpy hockey players complaining about coffee. Grumpy hockey players talking behind the coach's back. Talking about other players behind their back as well. I really enjoy grumps. Uh, There's only one person in the world. Well, yeah, I shouldn't say that. There's only one person, Maddie. I think in the hockey world that enjoys grumpy people. More than me, and that's Brian Burke. Yeah. <laughs> and at times, I've counted Brian Burke as one of my favorite grumpy people. Yeah. Sometimes grumpy with me in person. Sometimes grumpy with me on text. Sometimes <laughs> grumpy with me at phone calls. Sometimes angry with me a number of times uh, when he ran the Toronto Maple Leafs. But are you like me, Matt Marchese? Do you have an appreciation of grumpy hockey players like fine wine? They only get better with age. Yes, as a kid, I went to look
3: for this is a true story. Went to look for Oscar the Grouch in the garbage can as a little kid. Um, and in my. Come oh, on. I, yeah, I did. <laughs> and and as I grew older, um, uh, producer here at, at Sportsnet 590, the fan Jeff Azapardi and myself, uh, somebody took a picture of us sitting yeah. together at a barbecue, put it together, and then put a picture of Statler and Waldorf uh, underneath and said oh, yeah, they're yeah, the yeah. same. So Great I guess no, I'm, yep. I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of, of Grouches because. I think they're the most real people in a lot of cases.
1: I don't know why everybody runs away from grouches in entertainment. Like no one wants to be the bad guy or nobody wants to be miserable. And everything's got to be happy and everything's got to be sunny. And everyone's like, yeah, no thanks. Yep. Give me the grumps. Give me the grumps. So uh, I do love grumpy interviews. And we found one this weekend. This is Noted Grump, Nikita Kucherov of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Just having none of it in this media scrum. Have a listen to our first installments of the, uh, the Grump Society. The Grouchy Society. I don't know what we're going to call this matter. We've got to come up with a snappy title. Here's Grumpy Nikita Kucherov.
2: Nikita, as this game went on, what did you notice in regards to how you could beat them in their own end? I don't know. I guess just play, play the system and play the right way and execute the place. That was, I think, the biggest thing. How important was it to kind of build off of Thursday's game and, and kind of protect home ice?
1: I don't know, I guess big, I don't, I don't know what to say.
2: This is the first time you guys have trailed after two periods and come back and won it in the third. What was different this time? Nothing, stick to the plan. Why do you think it worked? Because we followed the plan. How hard is this team to kinda of slow down? Sorry? How hard is this team to slow down? Uh I don't know. I guess just play the system. The newest member of your team, Cole Kepke, has an assist on that game winning goal. What can you say about his play in his first game back? Uh didn't see the play honestly. I guess I don't know what happened there, but good team
3: you've been really good against Emmett in the past is there a little extra when you're going against
2: those tough guys? i think david, david. No, i try to play hard against any team so it doesn't matter who you're playing against. what would you like to see this team take from this game into the next one uh just play consistent game throughout the three periods do you think this was one of your most consistent games no we're so far away from uh playing good <laughs>
1: Just doesn't want to be there. No, nope. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, anything about uh, Cole Kepke? Big moment for him? No, nah, I didn't see the play. <laughs> he's the best, honestly. He's the best. I love it. I love it as you know. Reporters are asking you know questions that they need for their pieces, so they can you know have the nerve to try to talk about his hockey team to try to give them some publicity. And you know, share with the fans some information or you know, do what we do here in, in media. Grumpy Kucherov just not having any of it, just not suffering any of it. How many I don't know's did you count in that one? I think
0: there's four. Um,
1: was this your most consistent ever? No, like it was like every, like every answer was just total Oscar the Grouch, bang the garbage can. It was awesome it was and, beautiful. and you know there are people that a real beautiful
3: thing and there are people that are listening to this and they're going oh he's just being a jerk and he's you know he should and he should be there to promote the game and he's whatever like there's a hundred other guys that can promote the game like it doesn't have to be nikita kucherov let him be nikita kucherov because that's part of the genius of all of this like on the ice off the ice Nikita Kucherov is one of my favorite yeah. players because, A, he's nasty on the ice and off the ice. He's one of the most skilled players in the game. He's so talented. Like, everything about Nikita Kucherov is awesome, and I don't care who's going to tell me otherwise. I love everything about Nikita Kucherov.
1: The, um, you know what's really good? And it doesn't happen very often um, because I, I really do think that on the one hand... Um, Leon Dreisidel is one of the best interviews in the game, hands down. Like maybe you've heard him on 32 Thoughts. We've done a couple of long-form interviews with Draisaitl. He's mm-hmm. awesome. He's great, thoughtful, engaging, candid, funny. Um, like just a great, great interview. I remember the first time I met him was at Quebec City at the Memorial Cup. His Kelowna Rockets uh, lost to Anthony Sorelli's Oshawa Generals. In the final, but whether it was the stick, which we had never seen before, uh, certainly in, in junior hockey, which fascinated everybody, uh, but he was a tremendous interview, uh, as well. Like he's always been a great interview, but every now and then, and I really enjoy it. Trace, i gets snippy. And you know, we should, we should, let's grab that from a couple of weeks ago where he's, he's been known every now and then just to be like, ah. Oh, Okay, I can't do it. I got to drop it, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have a go right back at everybody here. Drysaddle can be a great grump, and that's what that's what maybe makes it more profound because we're kind of expecting it from Kucherov. We're not always expecting it from Leon Drysaddle, but if you're doing like the um, your uh, top five or top ten grouchiest interviews or grouchiest players in the NHL, when Drysaddle wants to turn it on. He can be that guy, Maddie. Oh yeah, he really can. You know, Ryan Kessler could have, you know, turned it on back in his day as well. Chris Pronger, those guys are good grumps. Oh, Pronger was excellent. Yeah. Oh, Pronger was so good at being a grump. Oh, Berkey would always talk about that. Just miserable around the rink. Yeah. Like he would just show up and everything was awful. <laughs> just dark cloud. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And again,
3: that translated to the play on the ice with Chris Pronger, too. Because he was nasty on the ice, too. And guess what? For all the people that complain about it, they would take Chris Pronger, Nikita Kucherov, Leon Dreisaitl, oh, yeah, Ryan yeah. Kessler on the team every day. 100%. So, but the, the, the dry cycle thing is, I think we're coming to expect it a little bit more now because it has happened more than a couple of times. In the last year or so, I feel like as Leon gets yeah. older, he's starting to get a little bit more frustrated with a lot of things. Like, okay, I, this whole pageantry of me being paraded out here for a post-game press conference after a loss, yeah, I'm getting a little tired of it, and I don't love it. So don't. A- here's the thing. Don't ask Leon a stupid question because you are going to get the answer you do not want.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder if you put a microphone in front of Patrick Laine last night how he would have sounded. Um, I think we can all recall the interview that uh, Darren Millard did with him in his draft year, uh, before he went second overall to the Winnipeg Jets in the uh, in in the Buffalo draft, where he did it. I'm mean, albeit like it was in the middle of the night in Finland uh, when when Ducky did the interview, but like lying down. I don't know if he's on his, on a floor. Yeah, or I on remember his bed that. Or whatever, but. Yeah. Not not grumpy, just like, oh, okay, well, that's a, that's a little bit uh, different. I didn't maybe expect you to be lying down, maybe expecting to be sitting at least. But um, speaking of line A, how did you see that, man? Yeah, like is, is that to you a last-ditch resort? I look at it as like that's the nuclear option, and that's like, well, we're all out of ideas. Like, you know, Harry Neal used to talk about – um about his hockey teams and say things like well we couldn't win at home we couldn't win on the road my failure as a coach is i couldn't find anywhere else to play (laughs) like i look at patrick linea and i say if i'm pascal Vincent, i'm saying okay didn't work on the wing didn't work at center my problem as a head coach or my failure as a head coach is i can't find another forward position for patrick linea to play how do you see the linea situation in columbus (laughs) It's so tricky because I've I've had this conversation and, and
3: even about baseball players, the same thing where, you know, it's like, well, you should sit a guy down for a game. But the problem is, is to get out of a lot of these struggles, you need to play in the game. And that's why sitting guys down for me isn't always the answer. I don't know how Patrick Lyon is practicing. I don't know what he's working on. I don't know. I don't know what the issue is, but. There's obviously more to get out of this player than what we have seen during his time. Like last year, before he got hurt, he was a point a game player with the Blue Jackets. So we're not far removed from him still being a very, very, you know, elite scorer in the NHL. What's happened... I don't know. Maybe, you know, guy, maybe it's the spot that he's playing in. Maybe it's the organization. I don't know. But what I do know is that in order for Patrick Lyonate to figure this out, he's going to have to play. And that's the part where you can yeah. do this once. But once you've done it once, that's a lot of money that you're sitting in the stands. And I don't think that's the best form of business either. Because if you want to trade him, he's got to increase his value. He's not going to do that in the stands either.
1: Yeah, I, I, I get it. I just wonder if this is the moment where Columbus has the conversation, like, what are we doing here? Are you still happy here? Like I know yeah. I'm not saying this based on any information from anyone from the blue jackets. Just wanna put that caveat out there right now. Um, but I really do wonder if this is uh if this is decision time. Because it ain't working. Like you remember when he was drafted by Winnipeg? and we saw him play with the Jets, and we saw him play for Team Finland, mm-hmm. and we saw that shot, and we said, how many Rocket Richard trophies is this guy going to have? How many 60-goal seasons is this guy going to have? Like it's, it's almost as if, if you're going to keep Patrick Linea, not unlike what Calgary has with Jonathan Huberto, if you're going to double down on it, then you almost have to, with line A, say, okay, we need to put you in a position where all you need to worry about is get in position to shoot, and that's it. And when you get the puck, shoot, like that's it. Let everybody else around you do all of the work, and when they get you the puck, all you do is fire it. Mm-hmm. Like that's your job. The Tyler Just, here's Capoli your spot job. On the power play. Here's your spot. Well, you know, I mean, you know what it was. I'll tell you exactly what it was. There was a time with the Oilers when uh, Connor McDavid was on a line with Benoit Pouliot and Neil Yakupov. I kind of really liked the line. It was really identifiable what everyone had to do. You know, McDavid was go be McDavid, be really fast, push everyone back. And Benoit Pouliot was you're going to dig out of the corner, you're going to dig along the boards. And Yakupov, you just get in position to shoot. Yeah. We're, we're going to get you the puck one way or the other. And when it's on your stick, just shoot. That's all we need you to do. I I just wonder if maybe Columbus is at that point right now where Pascal Vincent has to figure out how to get Patrick Lyon in a position where, okay, here's where we need you to be. These are the people that are going to get you the puck, and when they do, all you do is shoot. You've got one of the best shots in the league. From the moment you enter the NHL, we just need you to shoot. Mm -hmm. Is that what they do? Or... Did they say this guy's not hunting? This dog's not hunting here. Maybe it's time to make a decision. Well, I don't know. He's got two but years left after so far.
3: two years left after this year at seven point one million left on the contract per season. So that's going to be a conversation. That's a tough contract to move right now.
1: It's a lot of those around. Okay, um, Rogers Monday Night Hockey tonight. It is the Florida Panthers hosting the Edmonton Oilers. Calvin Pickard gets the start for the Edmonton Oilers. Read into that what you want. And you should read into that. They're looking for a goalie. That hunt continues. Pre-game gets underway. Hockey Central 6.30 Eastern. Puck drops just after 7.00. Thanks to everyone who took part in today's program. Um, Thanks to Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts. Thanks to David Amber, the host of Rogers Monday Night Hockey. You just heard from Matt Marques, the supervising producer. And Todd Fedorek, radio analyst for the Philadelphia Flyers. David Lance and Jen back at Master. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're back in 22 hours with TJMS.